Welcome to Coaching Kids Curling, a podcast for youth curling coaches and program organizers. I'm Glenn Gabriel, a certified curling coach who lives in Pickering, Ontario, Canada. My mission is to give you the advice, resources, and inspiration you need to make your program better. The last time I spoke with Greg Wilson, he was organizing an online curling league for kids in his youth program in Brantford, Ontario. In this episode, he joins me to recap the season and to share his experience building a curling rink in his own backyard. Greg, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thanks for inviting me back, Glenn. Well, a couple months ago, I had you on asking you about your junior curling program at Brantford Golf Country Club. Now, I'm inviting you back to follow up on one of the things we discussed, which is the online curling league that you set up with your kids. At, at the time we talked last, I believe you were about three games into it, and I wanted you back to give us an update. So before we get to what, uh, what actually happened at the end, maybe we can start at the beginning. So how did you come up with the idea for this online curling league, and how did you start setting it up? So I actually, I got the idea from, uh, from your podcast, um, when you were discussing at, at one point about, uh, different ideas of how to keep curling interesting for your, your youth over the winter, um, knowing that most, most of the clubs in, uh, at least this, this region were going to be shut down. Um, so I started kind of looking around and found the, um, the, the play curling.com flyer die, um, curling game. And, myself and my kids started playing around with it and we realized it was pretty quick games. It was a lot of fun and it was something that you could pick up fairly easily. So um, I sent out an email to the, the junior membership and we had a, a dozen kids that decided they were interested in doing it. Um, from that point, we divided them up into two different pools. We figured, uh, you know, virtual curling wasn't going to be quite as long of a season as what standard curling was. So we decided to divide it up into two pools, have a couple of round robins, um, and then have them engage in a tournament at the end. Just so people know, how, what, were, what was the age range of the group that was playing? So the youngest curler that we had involved would have been eight years old, and the oldest was 15. Okay. And... As you just said, you were using the uh, the playcurling.com website. I've I've been on it. I've tooled around a little bit on it. Can you can you tell people like uh, sorry how easy or difficult it was to use? Yeah, so I think a lot of it depended on what device you were using. Um, when I first started playing, I was using just my phone, which you know, I mean, it's it's not that large of a screen. You go to place the broom, and then by the time you go to throw the rock, you know, if your finger touches the screen in the wrong place, your broom gets moved. You know, it's kind of like when you go to throw a rock and suddenly you, uh, you know, slip and slide and the rock doesn't go where you intend. But I know my kids, when they were playing, were using their, their tablets, which definitely gave them enough space to put the broom where they wanted and then shoot the rock. I think the biggest learning curve for it other than the the strategy end of things was figuring out exactly how much weight to give the rock. It would have a, a slider that would go up. And if you didn't release by a certain time, it would just throw a, a heavy takeout. So figuring out when to stop, when to, when you had just the right amount of weight was the, 
kind of the key thing. I think one of the neatest things about it was that once you figured that out, the strategy really jumped in and, and became a major, major part of the game, you know, learning what you could do and what you couldn't do. I mean, I think we've all had times where as curlers, we look at the shot and I say, okay, I know what the right shot is, but I also have to look at my capabilities and whether I'm able to make that shot. In this case, it was really neat that you could look at it and say, I can make that double. I can easily make that double. Did you witness a lot of these games? Were you were you in the room watching them play at least a, a couple of these games? I'm I'm curious to know what uh, what you thought about I guess the strategy and and how they played compared to maybe what you might have seen on the ice in person. Yeah. So the you know I was I was physically in the room when my kids were playing. I, I have three kids and all three of them were involved in it. So I would kind of every once in a while I'd look over their shoulders and see how they were doing. But the site allows spectators to watch the games that are happening. So I would typically be on, and I think the first couple of minutes of my my time when they were ready for their games was just checking to make sure everybody got into the games that they were supposed to. There's a, a chat function. So a couple of times, one of the kids would show up and write, who am I supposed to be playing against? And so I'd send them a message back and let them know, and they'd, they'd get their games going. Um, I actually saw somebody else doing the same thing at one point. So obviously we weren't the only ones running a league on Sunday afternoons. After that, I would usually bounce from, from sheet to sheet. I would, you know, take a look at, you know, see how these two are doing and how far along they are. And then I'd move on to the next game and and follow them for a little bit. So it was, it was kind of neat. It was a little bit like sitting behind the glass watching four sheets of ice at once you'd have your you have your attention focused over here and then you'd look over there to see see what's going on you know when you're down to the last rock or two you could look over at sheet four and see who was who was throwing and what they were doing were, were the kids excited i mean that sounds obvious but i'm just curious to know did you get an idea of their reactions to playing each other online yeah there was definitely a lot of excitement and fun i know that there were a few kids where when their games were finished, their parents had them send me the emails that let me know what the final score was and how everything went. And usually I'd get pretty enthusiastic emails. Um, I don't know how many, you know, nine and 10 year olds are used to sending emails out on a daily basis, but uh, these, these definitely conveyed that they had a lot of fun. I also know my, my kids generally would set up zoom meetings with the people they were playing against on a separate device. So they'd have curling on their tablet and then they'd have zoom on the laptop or on an iPad or something. And you could hear them joking and laughing and complimenting each other's shots. And, you know, the, the whole, Oh, when somebody takes out your rocks. So there was a lot of that, uh, that reaction happening. I don't want, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is, is there a particular moment or game that you remember? I just, I'm just curious to know, uh, about uh, one of these moments, uh, whether it was a great shot or a missed shot. Is there something, you, one of your kids maybe that you witnessed? There was, you know, it was it was pretty cool. My youngest, my eight-year-old, he is the kid where if we're sitting watching, you know, the last couple of weeks have been amazing between watching the Scotties, the Briar, and then the mixed doubles. He's the kid who will sit there watching and look at it and he'll say, oh, they're going to throw a double here and they'll take out these two rocks and leave the rocks sitting on the, the edge of the eight foot. And it, it sounds weird coming out of the mouth of an eight-year-old, but then you hear the commentator say, okay, they're going to throw that shot. So he's the one where for the first 
half of the season, he actually, I, I don't think he ever lost a game until we got to the, the actual tournament. But oh, wow. It was really, I know, I know. It was really neat to watch him because whenever he started looking at those, those angles, he'd be, if I was in the room, he'd say, here's what I'm going to do. And I'd watch him throw this double and land the, the shooter exactly where he wanted. So it was, uh, it was fun to watch him throw the heavyweight. <laughs> well, it's funny, right, Greg? I mean, if, if an eight-year-old, right? I, I, you, I, I think he might have been the youngest person playing in your league. I think. Yeah, he was, was. Yeah, he was the youngest. We had a couple of, you know, kind of in the, the 9, 10, 11 range, but I believe he was the youngest. Right. I mean, if you were to replay this on actual ice, the the chances of them throwing that much weight to do a double. I, some kids are different than others, but generally speaking, yeah, the, the fact that they're able to do this and, and see the immediate result of it, uh, that's, that's really fun <laughs> for lack of a better word. Uh, well, I, I, it's, it's definitely, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Glenn, but it's definitely emphasized to me that in the future, strategy is always a tough thing to teach to these kids because of course, they can't, they can't throw that kind of heavy weight. This is a way to actually allow them to throw that heavy weight and see what the results are. You sent out an email to all of the kids just as a, a summary of the season, basically. Could I get you to read that to us? Yeah, sure. I can, I can read that for you. So with, with no ice this year, the Brantford Golf and Country Club Juniors went virtual. 12 youth participated in our first ever online curling season. Players signed up at playcurling.com and had weekly scheduled games. Our youth were divided into two pools and started with a round robin. Players were encouraged to connect via Zoom to include the social part of the game. Each curler was responsible for all the rocks thrown in each end, so strategy was very important. We saw all players improve as the season went on, thinking a couple of steps ahead as they planned their shots. After the round robin, players entered a double elimination tournament. Congratulations to our top three in each pool. Jeremy, Kevin, and Paxton in pool A. Christopher, Bradley, and Aspen in pool B. While we're hoping to return to the ice next fall, being able to play a few ends with friends was a great experience this year. Well, thanks, Greg. I said last December that I'd get you back onto the podcast to give us the results of your league. So, uh, I wanted to fulfill that promise. So congratulations to Jeremy, Kevin Paxton, and Christopher Bradley and Aspen. So congratulations. And I, I'm, I'm so happy you're back here to, uh, to give us the update. As most of the people listening are program organizers and coaches, do you have any tips to any of us if we decide to set up our own online curling leagues in the future? I think one of the biggest challenges with running this league this year was making sure the communication was really, really clear. Um, Typically, if you set up a a game, you know, four on four, if one person is late, doesn't show up, you can kind of make it work. You know, you, you play as a team of three, or if two people don't show up, you can modify the teams to have three on three. When one person doesn't show up for this league, the other person doesn't get to play. So, one of the things we really had to do and we learned after the first week or two was, you know, send out those reminders, make sure everybody knew exactly when they were curling, what, where they were supposed to go to, to make it happen. Um, and after that, things went really, really smoothly. By the time we got to the, the tournament, 
I sent out the the tournament information in at the start and everybody showed up and was ready to go five minutes early. So I think the big thing is making sure that everybody knows when and where if you're doing it this way. Greg, I think you got them ready to play real life bond spiels or, or zones or regions now. <laughs> so you, I think you've trained them well. Well, hopefully they uh, they keep up their interest in the sport and get to that point. Well, Greg, uh, the other reason I wanted you to come on to the podcast today is uh, because of a picture you sent me. You built your own outdoor curling rink this winter, and I've always wanted to get someone onto the podcast who actually built a rink for themselves in their backyard. So just tell me a bit about uh, how you did it. Have you ever done it before or is this your first time doing it? So this was my first time doing it. It's something that I've kind of bounced around in my head the last couple of years, but never actually got around to, you know, finding the motivation or the time. Uh, this year I had the time for sure. So I, I got my oldest to help out. He's 14 and, you know, he's quite enjoys woodworking and such. So we built a frame. I consulted with a friend who had done a, an ice rink in his backyard, a skating rink. And so we built a frame. It wasn't as big as a standard curling rink. We don't have that kind of property, but it was, um, it was eight feet wide by 25 feet long. We, again, we built a frame. We've got a, a large white tarp to put in on the bottom. And as soon as the weather started hitting consistently about minus 10, which would have been in January, we flooded it. Once we put in a, a nice layer of ice at the bottom, we cut some rings out of some dollar store tablecloths, uh, just plastic tablecloths. And we had some nice red and blue rings in the middle. And then we flooded it again and put a, a couple more layers on top of that. And then we built our rocks. And we actually made our rocks ourselves. We we went to, again, the dollar store. They they got to see us a few times. We bought a dozen bunt cake pans. So they had that kind of that ring shape that much as ah. the running surface of a rock. We filled them with concrete. And then we put a, a piece of plywood on the top and ran a bolt up through the, the bottom so that and put a handle on top that was made out of copper pipe wrapped in electrical tape. Uh, so those were our rocks. They, they didn't curl quite as much as you'd expect a standard curling rock to. Now, we didn't have much pebble on the ice either, but um, our rocks, you'd probably get about two or three inches of curl by the time they got 25 feet down the ice. But <laughs> it was, uh, you know what, it was a lot of fun. And the kids, the kids really enjoyed throwing them and uh, smashing other rocks out of the way as, as only a real takeout can look. I'm actually looking at your photo that you sent me and I was wondering what the rocks were. So thank you for, exp so they were bunt pans basically, right? Yep. Yeah. And we bought a couple of uh, yoga mats, uh, some, you know, blue and red yoga mats and cut circles out of them and stuck them on the top so that we had our, our different colored rocks. I'm just looking at the picture. There's no, uh, there's not a hack, is there? I don't see a hack, but that's, that's fine. I'm just curious. No, we didn't put a hack in. If I'd had a little bit more ice, I probably would have, but with trying to get as much separation between the rings as possible between the two houses, uh, we put them pretty close to the back wall. So you could put your heel on the back wall and push off from that if you were looking for the, the slide experience. How long did the rink last? We were curling on it up until about two weeks ago. Uh, so kind of 
early March. I think we had, I think we got in about 10 days into March before it started warming up. I actually still have a small amount of ice left in my backyard right now. So it's, uh, even though we've had a few days of uh, teen, teen weather, it hasn't all, it hasn't all melted yet. So roughly, I'm just thinking two months or so. Yeah, we got about two months out of it. And, and the boys loved it. Yep. Yeah. The first, the first night we actually had it ready to go where we had enough cold and enough ice. It was probably about eight o'clock by the time we got the rocks built, ready to go. We went out at eight, we turned on the outdoor lights and I think we were out till 10 or 10 30. So the first night we had it, we were out for quite some time after that. Um, it coincided with the kids being off school with, or not off school, but school at home. And so whenever they had a break at, you know, their, their recess breaks or such, um, they would go out and play curling while, uh, while, uh, they had a few minutes off, off school. So yeah, it was, uh, it got a lot of use. Similar to the question I asked you about the online curling league, uh, what tips would you give to not just coaches and program organizers, but just anyone who decided to build their own outdoor curling rink? What, what advice would you give them? So the first thing I would re- heavily recommend is see how flat your backyard is. I learned that there is a much greater slope to my backyard than I thought there was. And by the time we got ice at one end of the, the curling rink, the other end didn't even have water to it yet. So it it took probably an extra couple of days to get enough ice built up. And I actually had to build up my my boards on the side a little bit more at the kind of the, the southern end of the rink. So trying to make sure you have a nice flat surface to start with is a good move. The other thing I learned is where I've got it right now, there's an overhanging tree and we had lots of little sticks and leaves that would fall into it and would melt into the ice if I didn't get them off quickly enough. So getting the the debris off the ice and I mean, you just have to accept the fact that every time it snows, not only do you have to shovel a driveway, you have to shovel a curling rink. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh I think even ice makers have to, in a very limited way, but they still have to make sure that the surface is clean. So I I totally understand that. So thanks, Greg, for uh, sharing that story with us. Uh, You know, if Toronto was a little colder, I might have attempted it, but uh, I'll I'll definitely keep that piece of advice about having a level yard or a level uh, surface in mind for future years uh, of uh, of my backyard. Greg, thanks so much for joining me tonight. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so the uh, the email is littlerocksbgcc at gmail.com. That's great, Greg. Thank you for joining me. All right. Thanks, Glenn. So that was my interview with Greg. If you're a supporter of this podcast, I encourage you to follow our Twitter account, which is the at symbol followed by Kids Curling. One more time, the at symbol followed by Kids Curling. I'll also have that Twitter handle listed in today's show notes. This has been the Coaching Kids Curling Podcast. To reach me, Coach Glenn, please email coachingkidscurling at gmail.com. To follow the podcast for free, visit our website, coachingkidscurling.com. You can also find show notes and links to the resources mentioned in this episode and in previous episodes. The intro and outro music is Golden Sunrise by Josh Woodward. Thanks for listening. Good luck 
and good curling.